Hey everyone, you are listening to the 10 West podcast. I'm Malia Jasmine from Fox Sports West. Hockey season just started, so I want to get into the Ducks and the Kings. Big stories for both SoCal teams. Ducks bringing back coach Randy Carlisle, even though their captain was one of the guys who was integral in calling for his head the first time he got booted. And LA Kings goalie Jonathan Quick is out with an injury, is playing in the offseason to blame. And can the Kings survive without him? Joining me in studio is Mike Walters from Ducks and Pucks and Jesse Cohen from All the Kings Men. Welcome, gentlemen. Um, okay, so we want to, I really want to get into uh, hockey talk. Uh, want to talk about the beginning of the season, kind of get your opinions on on how the season looks for both the Kings and the Ducks. We'll let you guys fight it out here in our studio as well. <laughs> but before we get that, we need to get to a really, really important issue that Jesse raised uh, before we started rolling, which was uh, whether or not cheesecake is a pie or a cake. Yeah, I feel very passionately about this. Um, <laughs> People will claim that this matter has been resolved. I, I don't think it has been. I say that it has a crust and a filling, and that makes it a pie. Okay. And that's all there is to it. What nice. Do you, what do you I'll just Mike? go with it and say it's a cake, just just for sake of argument's sake, since it's Ducks Kings on here. It's got cake in the word, so it's, oh, see, it's cheesecake. Knew, that's the argument that everybody goes right, to, is it I has cake exactly. in the name, and that's not, I could give you a list as long as my arms <laughs> that have a word in them that aren't. Give me two. Exactly. A whale shark. Okay. It was actually a whale, but it's not a shark. Okay. But or no, maybe I have that back. But to I be... forgot. It doesn't matter. The point is it's got both, but it isn't both. Okay. <laughs> nice. And a driveway. Why is that not? You don't drive on a driveway. You do. You drive up the driveway before you stop. All right, a parkway. You park. No, you drive on a parkway, and you park on a driveway. <laughs> I'm going right. to argue that I still think that a cheesecake is a cake, mm-hmm. not a pie, only because pies generally have some type of fruit in them, do they not? Uh, chocolate, uh, uh, chocolate cream pie has no fruit. But that's, that, I would argue, is actually a cake, not a pie. Here we go. Oh, did I just blow your mind? No, we're getting, I mean, I can't even with that. Definitely uh, let us know what you think. Uh, Tweet us if you have a strong opinion on whether or not cheesecake is a pie or a cake at Fox Sports West, or you can read me out and chirp me about my thoughts at Aaliyah Jasmine. Uh, Let's get into some hockey talk, guys, and bring the cake, cake, cake onto the ice. Um, I want to, uh, let's start with Kings here, because um, obviously huge story right now is the fact that Jonathan Quick is not playing. Yeah. I am curious to know your opinion on this because my initial reaction is, well, the guy played his offseason. I mean, the NHL has such strong views on not letting uh, – or st- strong views on their on their players uh, playing in the Olympics. Yet because the World Cup of Hockey, I don't – personal opinion, was sanctioned by the NHL, they let their players play. Do you think that him not having a rest in the offseason might have led to that quick in- injury? I mean, it would be impossible to say that it didn't play some factor. It's hard to know. Um, I don't know enough about how groin injuries occur and whether or not it could have happened, you know, out of nowhere. Um, certainly, Gabrick got hurt at the World Cup, so that doesn't help any. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the quick injuries rough, and and it'll be interesting to see how they rebound from it. But I'm willing to suspend my disbelief that the World Cup is directly responsible for it because it did happen. So, I mean, he played the first period, he looked fine, and then it was just, he made a weird movement, and that was the end. So so you're going to dismiss the argument that maybe if he had had the rest through the offseason, then he would have been able to, like, rebound from that injury. Only because, uh, you know, there were eight teams, and each team carried three goalies, and obviously not all of those goalies played, but 
you know, no, the rest of the goalies didn't go down with injury. I mean, actually, I think now that I said, I think Anderson might have gotten hurt in, yes. at the World Cup, mm-hmm. but the other twenty-two goalies that participated didn't have injuries or haven't yet. So, like I said, maybe it played a role. Maybe if he hadn't had that extra six games of wear and tear, you know, the the groin would have been less likely to pop. But then, you know, maybe six games later, it would have. Like, I, yeah, yeah. You it's can't. it's impossible to know. And I want to I want to talk about what the Kings are going to do to cope with uh, in <laughs> Quick's absence. But before I do, <laughs> got any ideas? Um, yeah, uh, Mike, <laughs> I'm just curious to know your opinion about this um, because I I do uh, I am curious if if the hockey world thinks this is a, this is a bit hypocritical um, of the NHL to let their players play in this in the off season, but be so you know vocal about not wanting them to play in the Olympics. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing has been the fans. I know, especially with the Ducks fans, they a lot of them have voiced concern over the World Cup because you know it's it's kind of like the Olympics, but it's not really. Yeah. You know, we've only had it every so often. It's not every four years. It's not a regular routine. Um, we saw uh, Raquel get hurt, which was, I mean, he, that was from his appendix surgery he had before. But, you know, he tried to go and play in this, and that happened. So it's kind of the same thing with Quick. You know, if he hadn't played or attempted to play because he didn't even get in the tournament, but if he didn't skate during that time, maybe, you know, would it have happened later? I mean, I don't know because he had to have another surgery to fix it. Right. We're still waiting on him to play, which we miss him badly too, uh, the way the Ducks have been and, you know, doing so awesome like the Kings in the first uh, week here, unfortunately. <laughs> But I think, uh, as far as the World Cup, I think it's an exciting tournament. It was fun. I watched it. I enjoyed it. But I think in terms of the NHL doing it and allowing the players, I kind of have a mixed feeling because you do see some of these players get hurt and, you know, you're putting them in position to play six weeks before the season starts when they're just, you know, practicing, getting back together with the team. I do think it's a little bit interesting. And I'm really curious to see what the NHL is going to do moving forward because they don't have a set time when they have these World Cup of hockey tournaments. It's mm-hmm. just sporadic. So, um, yeah, I think it is a kind yeah, of a little curi- bit hypocritical. I'm curious what our listeners think. I mean, uh, weigh in with us here. Do you do you guys uh, – obviously, if you're a hockey fan, you enjoy watching it. That's no yes. question. But is it worth giving up some of your key players for the season if, if it does lead to uh, sore bodies and injury? Can I, can I jump in with, yeah. a, with a hot take? Um, so this is uh, something that we talked about on, on all the Kings men, and this is the conclusion that I've come to is that – it is run by the NHL. It's for profit. The mm-hmm. the money is split between the owners and the players. It was when <clears throat> when uh, hockey related revenue is tallied at the end of the year. I think the tournament was too long. I think you're right. It is hypocritical mm-hmm. of them to mm-hmm. to say we don't want to have our players you know go and risk injury for a tournament where they don't make money, but we will risk them in a tournament where they do make money. But you could see the fan interest at the at the start of the tournament yeah. was huge, yes. and it was a lot of fun yes. as the tournament went on. And you realized, oh, there's a preliminary round, then there's a round robin round, mm-hmm. then there's a <laughs> then there's a medal round, and then the finals is a three game series. It was way too long. Um, I would propose doing something very similar, but very very short, and doing the All Star game before the season starts. Maybe a three game series, you know, uh, West versus East, North versus South, and the first two games, and then a finals. Do it like the All-Star game. Do a three-on-three. Mm-hmm. Have it be an exhibition game. Mm-hmm. All the best players. You'd have all the fun of picking the teams, announcing the teams, mm-hmm. arguing over who makes the teams, mm-hmm. seeing players that don't normally play together. You'd get all of that, but in a really short, really fun burst to start the season rather than a three-week slog where you're losing players that, you know, an unbelievable Hey, play. I'm, you know, I'm part of the soundbite generation. I love the idea of doing things short and quick and interesting. That being said, I am also Canadian and I enjoyed the entire process of the world. <laughs> the it was not too long for me. Um, but let's get back to quick because mm-hmm. um, 
can the Kings weather this storm? Uh, the, the, the no quick storm. Mm. Um, are, are they, uh, are they going to be good enough? Is their defense good enough without, without quick? No. Um, I wish I could hem and haw and, and make a really compelling argument. I don't, I don't think they are. Um, they've made a lot of decisions over the last few years that have cost them, uh, some decisions weren't made by them that have cost them on the blue line as far as depth goes. And, you know, they lost Jones. That was going to happen no matter what. They lost Barube to a waiver wire. They lost Bartisak because he followed in Voinov's footsteps and, you know, committed domestic abuse. Um, so they have now no goaltending depth either. Mm-hmm. And uh, Budai, as wonderfully as it in the AHL, I'm not sure can can fill in as an NHL starter. And Jeff Zadkoff, as great as he is as a backup, I'm also not sure can fill in as an NHL starter. So... You know, this was, uh, we had John Rosen on recently, and he said very succinctly, if Kopitar, Doughty, or Quick get hurt, the team is going to struggle. Those are your pillars. And and they've lost one of their pillars. Well, can we talk about Doughty? Because obviously, you know, Doughty wins the Norris Trophy last year. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Uh, Is he primed to have another season like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? Yeah, I... Because I... it cannot be argued that last mm-hmm. season was maybe not even his best season, even though that's the season that he won the Norris Trophy for. Like, I feel like he'd been overlooked for so long that they kind of... He's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of, like, the blue line. Like, he just... he been nominated <laughs> so many times for that Oscar that they finally just had to give it to him. So I I profess to have uh, zero objectivity when it comes to Drew Doughty. Um, I'm also Canadian. And Where I'm, are you from? I was born in Toronto. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, but I'm convinced that if Drew Doughty had been drafted by a Canadian team or by Detroit or New York, he'd have a statue already, right? He is right. He's an incredible defenseman. And, you know, for years we've heard the argument that uh, guys like Burns or, or Carlson have superior, um, you know, possession numbers or they do all the little things maybe Doughty doesn't. And then last year he has a season where he exceeds them in all those numbers, but they put up incredible offensive seasons and everybody says – well, it's not all about the analytics. You know, Brett Burns and Eric Carlson are doing stuff that no defenseman has done since Bobby Orr. And it's like, right. all right, well, what? which is it? You know, yeah. what's more important? So I say a guy like Drew Doughty, when he plays on international teams like at the World Cup, he's the guy that logs the most minutes. He's the guy that's out there in crucial minutes. And he's, what, 26, 27 mm-hmm. this year? He's just entering his prime, if not in the midst of it. I see no reason why he shouldn't have another tremendous season. He may not get the Norris because – as you say, now that they've given Leo the Oscar, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> the that they. Yeah, I don't feel you know they can go right back to giving it to Eric Carlson every year for you know getting beat on the odd man rushes. Relax, but Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I think I think Daddy will be just fine. But what about the? Um, I guess will he be good enough with Quick on? Like, is he good enough to, to fill that hole? Uh gosh. Uh I think that and you can say yes, like you don't like. I'll take it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's. I think Dowdy and Kopitar and the rest of the team that is healthy are good enough to drag a Kings team without Jonathan Quick to 500. Mm-hmm. And if they get some sort of miracle performance out of Zach Hoff or Budai, I think you can expect slightly above 500. But if Zach Hoff and Budai are precisely who their careers say they are. I don't think it really matters. And you can look at the Minnesota Wild game as a perfect example. You know, they 
they outplayed Minnesota, arguably. And as I said last night to anybody who was paying attention to my breakdown on Twitter, um, <laughs> anybody who thinks that they don't win that game with Quick and Gabrick in the lineup is crazy. I mean, they, they, they dominate that game. But when you have that many holes in the lineup and you have a question mark in net, you're going to find ways to lose. Right. And Dowdy can only play 30 minutes a game. <laughs> That's 30 minutes. That's half the game where he can't be out there. Um, Mike, let me bring you here in a, uh, for a second with uh, with the absence of Jonathan Quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that uh, an exciting spot uh, <laughs> well, that Ducks find themselves in? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess once the Ducks are going to play, the Kings come up here. I mean, you know, we might have a little bit of an advantage there. I mean, you know, with Gibson and Bernier and Nett. We're we're fine in net. That's not our issue. Yeah. We've got other issues. You know. Sure about that? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> there are other issues. I, uh, we're you know Gibson did good in this last game, and Bernier did well in his first game. But the, the problems on defense and and having Raquel and Lindholm out have hurt this team. Yeah. That's been our issue. So, I mean, with both teams starting off poorly, I mean, I yeah, I'm not. I don't wish you know anybody gets injured, but as far as the Ducks playing the Kings, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to help us out a little bit. But before the season, I did a preview with my co-host on our podcast. We had talked about the Ducks and the Kings being in the top three. We right. we figured the California teams would be the top three teams in the Pacific. But can you now. still do that with with the weak defenses on both sides? Uh, that's the problem. I think for the Ducks, the biggest issue right now is getting Lindholm back on the ice right. because in the four games the Ducks have played. They've been close and competitive, but most of the goals have been scored in and around the crease. Right. And there's been some problems there. And it's not, I mean, Lindholm's not the type that's the, the stay-at-home defenseman, but the pairings have been mixed up every game, and you've had mistakes done in front of the net. So, you know, a lot of people point towards Bernier Gibson on certain things. Yeah, that's true. They've had a few things, but the defense for the Ducks has been somewhat shaky. How's Lindholm doing? What's he doing in Sweden? Have you been keeping up to his <laughs> yeah, social media? Yeah, he... I mean, he, I, he likes Swedish meatballs. He cooks very well. <laughs> Uh, you know, he and Raquel are, are big time buddies, so that's the stuff that he does. But uh, the latest today was, uh, you know, Bob McKenzie at TSN. He was talking about 5.5 million as being the number around where they're trying to get Lindholm done at. Right. So that's the issue. Uh, it's been reported before between five and seven. They're trying to get it done. You know, the other issue for the Ducks is cap space. Usually the Ducks mm-hmm. are, um, you know, they keep cap space. They keep two, three, four, five million. Yeah. Now we don't even have half a million. So there's a lot of uh, creative thinking they're going to have to do if they're going to get Lindholm back on the ice and you know start turning around the season because they started out zero three and one which is what they started out as last season. So what do you think? I mean, you you talk about how they they signed uh, they went ahead with with signing Raquel again. So what's uh, what do you think the holdup is with Lindholm? Like what what's the big reason? The number one reason? I think the biggest issue is the money. Is the you money? know, they they're trying to figure out that term. I think that. From a lot of the reports out there, it seems like they want closer to six million, and Murray's trying to go maybe push it down to five point five million. Is more of an issue there, but also the agent Claude Lemieux is the agent for Lindholm. Mm-hmm. He's difficult to deal with, right? Okay. And, and I mean, he was difficult to deal with on ice. Right. He's difficult to deal with off ice. Uh, the Ducks were able to get that move done with Anderson and, and get that trade with Toronto done, um, but they've still been trying to deal with Lemieux and trying to get that whole situation resolved. So I think it's combo those hollywood agents right exactly in all honesty though i mean um there has been a lot of talk around the lindomond and the idea that they need to make a big move and that big Mm -hmm. move might be trading somebody like uh cam fowler correct um 
or someone who just having to release someone uh, to free up some salaries. So um, if you were Bob Murray, if you were the mm-hmm. GM, um, what would you do to get Lindholm? Or, and is Lindholm that important to get? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I think Lindholm's extremely important to the Ducks in the defense. There's a couple things that they can do. Uh, one is not a permanent solution, but it's, it's kind of a short-term solution. They can put uh, Nate Thompson on long-term injury reserve. That'll get another $1.6 million back. Okay. Um, Simone Dupre, who's had concussion issues, and now it, it, we don't know officially, but it looks like it could be somewhere in that area. He's another one that could be eligible for that long-term reserve. So that's $3.7 million. So now you're at $5.3 right? plus the other $300, $400. So you're right in that area where you could do that. So but, why haven't they done that? Yeah. Well, the problem with that, though, is if you do that, you're, you're only going to have enough cap space maybe up till around the trade deadline when both those – Players are probably going to come back. I mean, Thompson, we know, is going to be out for several months and to pray. But then you're going to be over. Then you have a problem. So the other flip side of that is they had talked about to pray and some rumors about trading him. Mm -hmm. But because of the injury issues, he's not the one. So everybody keeps coming back to Cam Fowler, who's been rumored since the trade deadline last season. So I still think Cam is is the one, unfortunately. And he's actually played well. He's already had two goals in the first four games. Um, he's one of the Ducks' leading scorers, him and Cognano, yeah, both yeah. have two goals. So they're the two you know, leading players. So if they were to make a move, I would think Fowler would be the one that they would trade. There had been talk of with Toronto and JVR. That was one of the ones mm-hmm. that had been going on for a long time. They had talked about – Toronto will be so upset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Detroit's another one because that's where uh, Cam's from. That's mm-hmm. been out there. Um, during the trade deadline – or excuse me, during the draft – uh, Buffalo was the other one for the draft picks, but that never materialized, so that didn't work out. So um, it, it keeps sounding like someone from the East. That's okay. what the word is. It sounds like Detroit, Toronto, someone out there is what they would do, and that Fowler has been the most likely one. So they could do the short-term solution. I mean, that's what I would try and do to get him back as soon as possible, and then meanwhile work on one of these other trades because you know they've been working on a trade for a long time and nothing's really happened. I just don't understand why Bob Murray is really even playing hardball with this guy. I mean, I get that he's mm-hmm. young and that he's asking for number one defenseman mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways he's he's you know the future of this mm-hmm. team. He he could be there for a very long time and make a big impact. So um, I don't know. I guess I just don't get what what the hardball is from the GM on this. I, I think there's a couple things. I think part of it is the Ducks have always been a budget team, and now this year they can't. So now they're forced up against the wall. They've only got that three hundred something thousand left, uh, you know, on cap friendly. That's what they've had it stated as. So they're kind of stuck on that situation, trying to get more money. And I mean, in the past, that's what it's done with the owners. Usually, the owners put a, a leash on him. So some people are very critical of Bob Murray and the deals that he makes, and and they're not all perfect. He's done some that we didn't agree with, and some that we liked, but. Part of it is he's got this leash from the owners too, so he can't just go out there and, and sign a blank check, going, "Oh, I'll give you six to seven million. Right. And I think with the Ducks is just the way that the signings have done. Another thing that I brought up is the possibility of trading Lindholm, which I, as soon as I bring that up, then dun, everybody, dun, yeah, dun. everybody gets crazy. Uh, they do that's not. That's when your Twitter they, gets full of hate yeah, trolls and yeah. hate mail. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, Twitter, yeah. they're on there. But <laughs> yeah, that's the other option because before they uh, resigned Raquel, you had Raquel and Lindholm. And you had the issue of, well, what if we only get one of these guys? Well, if you're going to trade one of those two, Lindholm's the one that's going to get you the bigger return. Okay. So if I'd rather them obviously keep him and mm-hmm. have to trade someone else or, or do the short-term problem and figure it out. But if you're going to trade a guy and get a big return, Lindholm's going to get you a decent return. I, I don't like that move, but right. I'm just saying 
if that comes up. Let's hypothetically yeah. say that you are Bob Murray yeah. and you make that move. Yeah. Who do you trade him for? The dream world, who do you trade him for? Well, I would think that it would have to be, there's certain teams you could look at. I mean, Detroit, they had looked at with the forwards. Um, Tatar was one that they had mentioned. Nyquist was another one they had mentioned out of Detroit. But I think that's a deal that if they're going to do it, whether it's Detroit or you do Toronto with JVR, you, mm-hmm. you know, because they're trying to get more offense, basically. The Ducks have lost, you know, McGinn, Stewart, and Perron in the offseason. They lost two guys that are potential 20-goal scorers. So they're trying to get more offense back. I would think you would try to go out and get one of those guys you like on one of those teams, but you're also going to have to get draft picks or some prospects. I mean, it's going to be a multiplayer return. It has to be. Right. Especially uh, if Lindholm's, you know, going between six and seven, which is what, you know, a lot of the numbers are estimated at. In the meantime, he's just eating his meatballs. Well, yeah, he's, he's doing that, but he's been practicing in Sweden. So oh, he's been doing all that. So he's, so he's, he's ready he's, to get back on the ice as soon as he gets that's a the latest. Signed, right? That's the latest I've heard, whereas Raquel, we're still waiting because he's he's had visa issues. He's mm-hmm. got to get that cleared up. And then uh, for him, he has been skating. But, you know, when you come back from, you know, appendix-type issues, that's something you don't just overnight go, oh, I'm fine. So he's still maybe a one or two week away. It's kind of what yeah, they've yeah. estimated at. I so. know because the Ducks are having that big, um, you know, the white carpet home opener on Sunday, and it's too bad we're not going to see Lindholm walking down that carpet. Well, we have time. What I yeah. mean, what, what today's Wednesday, right. so right, we how have three, four fl- days. How long right? is the flight from Sweden? <laughs> yeah, right. How long is the flight? If we can get him over here, yeah, yeah get I mean, out over that jet lag and get on the ice. That would yeah. be a sweet deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate because this whole summer, uh, that's. You know, what we've been talking about is Raquel and Lindholm on our podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. And I even saw on the on the Ducks on the radio broadcast last night, they uh, they take questions from the fans. And they even sent, a, sent out a tweet saying, we're done fielding questions on Lindholm. Right. <laughs> we're just done. Yeah, you guys have like, talked about it for it, months. Exactly. Um, other thing that's been talked about in terms of SoCal hockey for months is uh, the captain change for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> Kopitar <laughs> is now captain. Yes, he is. Uh, thoughts? Uh, so there were rumblings of this uh, as early as last January, mm-hmm. if not earlier. That was when it first came up on my radar. And, you know, Dustin Brown has been uh, criticized for his job as a captain for years. And it never made any sense to me because he, I, I I don't know that anybody knows what a good captain is supposed to do or is supposed to be. I'm not sure. There's no template. There's no book, you know, how to be an NHL captain. You can point to every team that's won, and every team does it differently, right? The Kings had Wayne Gretzky as a captain for years. I'm pretty sure he wasn't in the locker room screaming at guys and throwing equipment around. He just was the best player on the ice. And then you have guys like Messier where the stories are, you know, he could kill you with a stare. So, um, But in general, it, it, is it not that in some way they set an example for the rest of the team, especially for the younger players? Sure, but but the question is where does that example come from? Like Brown was never a rah-rah guy. He, he was a quote-unquote lead-by-example guy. And he learned from guys like Nordstrom and some of the veterans that Lombardi brought in when he was younger. Um, so I, I never understood the criticisms of a captain. I never felt that they were warranted. When it comes to Kopitar, I think um, it's a little bit like the British uh, succession. Because uh, Brown and Kopitar both signed to contracts till 2022 or something like that. So if Kopitar waits until Brown is no longer in a Kings uniform to be captain, well, then Kopitar is never captain. Because right. at that point, you hand it on to Dowdy or to Foley or whoever the next 23-year-old kid is. So it's and this is some crazy numerology we sort of stumbled on. Kopitar was the 11th overall draft pick. He wears number 11. Uh, and this is his 11th season. And... I think it was just 
a really convenient thing to slip into his contract negotiation. Right. And sadly, Dustin Brown's um, career has has tailed off a bit. And so it I was love your theory that there's like the King's front office is sitting there with like a numerologist. Oh, I, don't going think, like, I don't think the King's front 11, office. I just 11. think players are crazy okay. superstitious. I mean, you look at yes. Crosby. He's born uh, August 7th. 1987. He wears not 87, and his and his cap hit is 8.7 million. So like players find ways to work mm-hmm. that stuff in. With Kopitar, like I said, I don't have any proof. This is just a weird detail. 11th overall draft pick. I think he's born. I There's an 11 in his in his, <laughs> in his in his social security number or something. But uh, but it is code. 11 here, and, and he wears number 11. I love that everyone now is going to listen to this podcast. It's going to like every time Kopitar walks by, they're all just going to be whispering 11. But I mean, his website is uh, has eleven worked into the name of it now. I can't remember off the That's top of my head. But um, so yeah, the fact that he had this contract come up, I think that was an opportunity for him to to leverage what could also be a marketing opportunity, right? You have the World Cup. I'm convinced that Team Europe was essentially Team Kopitar. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody loves the rest of the guys on Team Europe, but. Would anybody shed a tear if any of those guys weren't participating no, in the World Cup? No, it's the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah but sure. he's the guy that drags Slovenia into the playoffs or into the Olympics. Excuse me. He's the guy with two Stanley Cup rings. He's the you know twenty nine year old um, star out of. LA. Is he more liked in the locker room? Do you know that? I doubt it. I mean, I, I, everything we hear out of the locker room is that they're a family. They're a tight knit bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. They all live in the same neighborhood. You know, they have for ten years. They you know he and Dustin Brown have the same dog. For God's sake. Um, Golden Doodle for anybody who cares. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia question. <laughs> Milo and Kustel. Um So, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think obviously it was probably embarrassing and unpleasant for Brown, and that's unfortunate. Of course. And I mean, is it, is it not fair to say that a guy getting stripped of that C, um, kind of totally unheard of unless they're off the team? Uh, you know, the, the example that popped into my mind was the Dallas Stars. Late in Mike Madonna's career, I think pretty sure it was Madonna, they gave it to, I want to say, Morrow. And, you know, it, it is rare that a guy is, as you say, stripped of the sea, unless you're the San Jose Sharks, in which case it's like a monthly <laughs> event. But um, so, yeah, it's got to be rough. And I don't envy yeah. him. And and hopefully everything we know about Brown holds true. He's a, a measured, mature individual. And Although I think he, he has understands. been vocal about being pissed off. Sure. Right? Like that's – he's not – he's not – in any way, um, you know, being above this and acting like it doesn't bug him, he's he's mad yeah. about it. Dustin Brown is is living the inevitable tragedy of professional sports. Right. You come in, you're a hero, everybody loves you, you accomplish everything that you set out to accomplish, and then you get older. Right. And mm-hmm. there's nothing to be done about it. You can't stop it. And it hits everybody at a different time. And unfortunately, Dustin Brown signed a contract that, won't match his output on the ice for the rest of his career. How probably. much younger is Kopitar? Three years, I want to okay. say, maybe two. Not a big difference. Not a huge difference. So is uh, how does Kopitar handle this now? I mean, you have you're the captain. You need to manage that locker room. Um, do you think that there's some allegiances being formed? People who feel bad for Dustin Brown, who are angry about how the Kings handled this. Uh, how does Kopitar make sure that that this doesn't break apart that locker room or cause weirdness. I think Sutter is one of those coaches who subscribes to the philosophy that if they're all against me, they're all for each other. And, you know, there was the rumor um, in the season they missed the playoffs, there was the incident with the trash cans where they piled them up in front of the locker room door on the road so that Sutter couldn't get in after the game. (laughs) Um, You know, he, he wears thin on guys. You know, Drew Doughty 
constantly telling stories about how Sutter will come into the locker room and say, whoever the best defenseman on the team they're playing, boy, that guy's the best defenseman in the league. I don't know how we're going to get around him. You know, and Dowdy says he understands that he's doing it just to get his goat, but it works. So I don't think that the locker room is out of control. I don't think it needs to be managed. You know, we heard a lot of stuff uh, out of Philadelphia, um, you know, about Pronger. Pronger's half of the room versus Richard's half of the room. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in Montreal, you had Subban's half of the room and Pacioretty's half of the room. I mean, it happens, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think the Kings locker room is like that. I think, like I said, they all live together. They all, you know, hang out together. They appear to be a a tightly knit group of friends. So I don't don't think that is a concern amongst many, many concerns this season. Do you think that uh, if this was um, something that obviously Kopitar had worked into his contract with your 11 theory, mm, yeah. uh, that in any way Dustin Brown might uh, hold that against Kopitar personally, that there might be a little bit of bad blood there? I mean, it's. I suppose it's possible, but I it's think... Enough to come out on the ice? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I, I think this is a team that has won the Stanley Cup twice. And in the final analysis, you look at, you know, Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche. You look at Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins. These are teams that won the Stanley Cup twice. Mm-hmm. And we consider them Hall of Fame legendary players. When when Dustin Brown retires, his number's going up on the wall. He might get a statue. There'll be legends. Nice. We'll be talking about Dustin Brown for 30 years. Right. Um, and he knows that. And Kopitar knows that. And, and what they did together... I was like the greatest three years of my life <laughs> watching it. And yeah. so I can't even imagine having lived through it. So yeah, he, he's probably annoyed. He probably doesn't like the way it was handled. I'm sure he's more than annoyed, but at, you know, they're professionals and so they I think they understand. They're professionals. They, they're obviously tight off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, they must've had a conversation, right? So like how, I hope so. <laughs> I, well, you know, if, even just to like keep that locker room and good for good blood, I uh-huh. good measure. I'm sure Kopitar must've, when he got that scene, must've, pull Dustin Brown aside and had a one-on-one with him. How do you think that conversation went? <laughs> uh, not great, <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough to know. You know, Dustin Brown has, what, four kids, three kids, five kids? He's got a bunch of kids, a dog. Um, he does a lot of charity work. Anze Kopitar, you know, has just had his second child. And, you know, he's got a new family. You know, he's got responsibilities in Slovenia. So I'm not sure how much time they would have in the offseason to sort of grab a beer and talk about Kopitar taking the C from Brown. But I suspect that they both would want what's best for the team. And I think, you know, they might, they could easily both think that they were the best option to be captain, mm-hmm. but you've got to go out and play 82 games. And I think they would put aside whatever differences yeah, they Yeah, no time to cry about it. Just kind yeah. of move back, move on. Um, especially with, yeah, like you said, everything else that the, the team is yeah. facing right now, it's probably the <laughs> least of their concerns. I hope so. um, what, uh, what do you think was the main reason for, I know you, you touched on a few things like maybe Dustin Brown getting older, or, mm-hmm. um, but is that the main reason you think that he was uh, stripped of that C, or do you have a hunch on, on why? I'm going to nitpick the term stripped of the sea because this isn't a situation like the Sharks where every three years they come in and they go, this isn't working. Uh, We have to do something. We don't know what, but, you know, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. You give me that letter. Like they're not punishing Dustin Brown. This was a situation, like I said, where where Andre Kopitar has been with the Kings for 10 years. And, you know, it's a little bit harder for Kopitar to annihilate the Kings record books the way Quick did because mm-hmm. the Kings actually have a history of talented centers and a wasteland of goalies in their past. But 
Kopitar's come in and has been the king's best forward, you know, since Gretzky. Um, and in in plenty of situations, you would say, who's the captain on the team? Oh, it's the best player. Right. Well, Kopitar's the best player. Right. So I don't think they were stripping Dustin Brown so much as they were promoting Andre Kopitar. Which I think is really important to point out because um, it, it's – it's interesting to hear you say they are not punishing Dustin Brown just because of the fan reaction when Dustin Brown came out and he was upset about it. Mm -hmm. I think when you, if you read social media and you judge by what the fans were saying, it really did seem like um, like he was upset and that the Kings were in a way punishing him. So it is. I think it's really interesting to hear you say no in the big picture that that wasn't. Yeah, the case and here. you know one of the things that fans can be forgiven for not understanding is you know they had a conference call and Dustin Brown was asked his opinion about how it went down and he gave his opinion and it was measured and it was calm and it was honest. He didn't go outside the organization and speak to a reporter and mm -hmm. say, this is an outrage. He didn't, you know, go to a Canadian newspaper, you know, in a different city, you know, yeah. knowing that it would get back. He, he said what he said within the umbrella of King's media relations. And, you know, I think he's to be commended for it, right? Yeah. Like he came out and he was asked a point blank question that, that anybody would ask and that had to be asked. And he gave the answer that I think anybody would expect, which is, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It's not fun. Totally. But back to work. Uh, yeah. And at the end of the day, that it is work. And yeah. so they're professional and they have to work together. And hopefully that uh, doesn't ruin any of their mojo in that locker room or their brotherhood at all because yeah. they've been through so much together. Uh, and it sounds like they are going to be through uh, going through a lot for the next uh, the next yeah. little while. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I want to segue with the, uh, the talk of the captains back to the Ducks, Mike, because um, let's talk about Getzlaff and Carlisle. Uh, you mentioned Carlisle a little bit, um, but you know it's pretty well known that when Carlisle got ousted from Anaheim the first time uh, before he went to Toronto, um, Jesse's hometown, mm. it was because to be clear, Carlisle was stripped of his coaching. <laughs> yes, and I can confirm that. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, and and, and uh, I think it's well known. And correct me if I'm wrong that Getzlaff at that time did call for Carlisle's, Car Carlisle's head a bit. Yeah, at that time, it was actually uh, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff. They both didn't get along with Randy Carlisle. Right. And that was kind of the big, you know, uh, whatever you want to say, but it was the, the, I guess, set the motion for Carlisle getting to go. booted out. Yeah. And now he's yeah. back. Yeah. So how and does that happen? I know, and that, was, and that was one of the things that a lot of the fans and myself were concerned about because you had Randy Carlisle that was on the Ducks before. Took the Ducks, you know, won the Stanley Cup. Um, some people argue, though, be, because of the roster with Pronger, Niedermeyer. You had Perry, gets off on the fourth line. Right. I mean, you had a stacked team. Yeah. So some people argue that, well, you could have put anybody on the Ducks coaching staff and, and they could have won right. back in 2007. And I'm, I, it's hard to argue against that. It's a very valid point. So when he came back, uh, you know, they had the press conference. GM Bob Murray was talking about all the other coaches out there, and, and he said they all came back to Randy Carlisle. But for me, I honestly thought that the Ducks should have kept Bruce Boudreaux for one more season. And then this is the reason why. They lost a lot of game sevens, even to the Kings over here, uh -huh. you know, and, and all that. And everyone gets upset. But you know what? The players have to play. And the players didn't show up not only in game seven, game six. And that's why I keep telling people, everyone focuses on these game sevens, how the Ducks lost all those. Guess what? They lost all those game sixes before that when they were up three to two. So they lost two games that right. they got a close out against the Kings, Chicago, obviously getting one game away from the Stanley Cup. 
So I don't Jesse, put... Jesse, I feel like you're like, yeah. you're on yeah. the edge of your seat. So, well, I, I'm dying to ask a question, yeah. if I may. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. So your argument is that he shouldn't be punished for losing game seven because he also lost game six. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the players got to play. They lost game six and seven. It wasn't just right. him. I'm saying that Boudreaux should have been given one more year. You're not that's a Boudreaux what fan? Yeah. That's what he I thought. He seems like a nice man. I just... <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he should have been given one more year and given that last chance to well, finish out his contract and then if they wanted to boot him out, then boot him out. And especially, so, I mean, retrospectively, yeah. that yeah. would make sense when you know that they're going to bring back Carlisle knowing his history true. with Getzlaff. That is true. So, that is true. Uh, why would they have even done gone to Carlisle again knowing his history with Getzlaff? Like, what? why do you think that they even went there, and where does this leave Getzlaff? Well, I actually talked to Getzlaff personally at, at his golf tournament a couple weeks ago, and I asked him that question. I said, how do you feel about Randy Carlo coming back? I just want to ask you because of all the previous stuff. Did he give you a real answer, or was it like I a think No, I think answer? it was a real answer. He said, you know what? He, he said that I've talked with him, and everything's fine. He doesn't have a problem. That's at least what he told me when we talked. Right. And I and from what I've seen in these four games, I haven't seen any issue between Perry Getzloff and the and the coach. I haven't seen any of that kind of stuff going on. I so guess my curiosity with Getzloff in particular and his mm-hmm. um and his relationship with Carlisle, I guess because he is the captain. Correct. Um and because we talked about this earlier, but the captain being the one to set the tone right. in that locker room and and being a little bit of a lead by example kind of position. Mm-hmm. Um do you think that uh Getzloff was talked to before the decision was made? Yeah, I, I believe he was because in the press conference uh, with Bob Murray, they talked about that. And I believe it was Perry, Getzloff, and Kessler, you know, because that's the big yeah. three. They, there was some discussions that had gone on before that to make sure that they were okay with bringing him back. Though, I How do you think that feelings. conversation goes? How yeah, do they even like that? I, I, don't, I mean, that's a tough one because, I mean, you're saying that we got rid of Boudreaux and we're bringing in the coach we had before because, and, and Murray's argument is there's no one else out there. So I'm like, well, okay, kind of. And that kind of goes with what, you know, we were talking about with the game sixes and game sevens. I mean, yeah, you do put it, you have to put it on the coach, but I also put it on the players. I don't just put it on one. So when you look at this situation, you go back to the same thing. You got to put it on Getzloff and Perry and Carl. I right. mean, it, it's two, it takes two. And they might have also these. all grown up, gone to a different right. place at this point, right? Right. And from what it sounds like is everything's fine. There is no locker room issue. I mean, you know, that's kind of the theme we're talking about here. From what I've seen and what I've heard, there, that hasn't been an issue. What's your forecast for this season? Do you think that they can uh, that they can stay peaceful? Or do you think that some of those like old demons will come back uh, to haunt their relationship? I, I think if they get Raquel and Lindholm back and get back on track, winning and getting two points each night, it's going to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Now, if the season continues the way it's going, yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of tension. I mean, there was a lot of tension with the Ducks in the beginning of last season with right. their terrible start and the way that they did in October and November, not turning around until the holiday time. So if that starts again, I mean, I know the fans aren't going to be happy with it because the fans were, you know, <laughs> it was tough being uh, doing the Ducks podcast and the blog and everything we do, uh, you know, unofficial stuff that we do last year because the first two months it was just, you know, constantly getting tweets and social media messages and people upset. And About Carlisle? Um, no, I mean, last year was the way the Ducks oh, okay, had done. But, okay. th- but this, yeah, when, when it was announced that Carlisle came, oh, yeah, there was a wave of, what are we doing? Yeah, Why are we curious. bringing him back? Mm-hmm. A lot of people were not happy. Why? And I know, yeah. like, you say that they're playing fair right now. I just wonder yeah. how much of that is a mask and how much of it is real. Like, do you think that behind closed doors everything is as perfect and happy as it seems to the media right now? Or is it just a, you know, media face? No, I, I, I think it is fine. Uh, from There has
hasn't been anything, you know, after the initial press conference and all those conversations that Murray said that he had and the search and all that, I haven't really seen anything that would lead me to believe that way. And, and if you look the way the guys are playing, uh, they're not playing terrible hockey. I mean, they're not playing great either. They've just had, you know, these issues uh, mainly defensively, a little bit on the offense too. But uh, I don't, I don't see it as an issue. I, I think at least now. I mean, like you said, could it, could it change down the season if the Ducks keep doing poorly? Yeah, it might. But winning is always a solution. Exactly. I mean, no matter what, you win, you're forgiven of everything, and everything's Every, forgotten. Exactly, right? and everybody's happy. Can I jump back on the Boudreaux thing real quick? Yeah. You have to let that go. Well, I'm just, I'm just curious if, yeah. if his track record in Washington. Like, do you consider it part of an entire career, or do you say, like, oh, it's two completely different scenarios? Oh, no, I agree with you. I, I definitely think that the track record in Washington, too, carried over to the playoffs for sure. And I, I definitely think that when it got to Murray's situation, he wasn't happy with the way the players played in those games, but he wasn't happy with Boudreaux. So mm-hmm. he had to choose between the two. And I and I do understand his reasoning. His reasoning is, look, I can't get rid of Getzloff, Perry, Kessler, all these guys with big contracts. I mean, they could have. Yeah, they could have. But, I mean, no one – I don't know if anybody would take them, but you know, those monetary amounts. But I think he had to look – he kind of had a fork in the road. Right. And I think he had to go with keep the core of the players together or keep the coach and try and rebuild the whole team. And I think of the two, it, it was easier for the organization to say, okay, we'll get out the coach to our coach you know, search mm-hmm. that we did over the summer. And instead of going, okay – well, should we break up the core? Should we pull the sharks and go? Right. Okay, you know, Getzloff, you're not the captain. Or maybe we'll trade you and Perry and, and move all these people around. I think that would have created a complete upheaval. Yeah. I think it would have been a huge problem. Sometimes and, it's yeah. just easier to call a cheesecake a cheesecake. Yeah, instead of a you know a pie. A pie. But no, but I agree with you. I I I do put a lot of blame on Boudreaux in the playoffs. But I I just I lived all those games. Uh, season ticket holder. I've been to all those games. I watched all those games, and I've seen the way that the players played. And this isn't anything against Gatsloff and Perry, but in those game sixes and game sevens, they don't show up. And if you look in the playoffs, the track record of Perry, unfortunately, and I love Perry to death, but if you look in the playoffs, uh, he didn't really show up against the Kings. He didn't show up in three of the four last playoffs. The, the year that the Ducks went all the way and came one game short against Chicago, he did great that uh, postseason. He had nine or ten goals. But if you look at the other three years the Ducks made the playoffs, mm-hmm. He was invisible. It's interesting yeah. to hear you say this, though, yeah. Mike, because yeah. I think there's so much, uh, so much, you know, blog writing and and fan talk and uh, media attention put on Carlisle and what Carlisle's going to do for this team or what he's not going to do for this team, right. or how his presence is going to affect uh, how well the team does. And yes. what you're saying is kind of the flip side of this, which you know, it, that is secondary to the players have to actually show up and do well. And well, the thing with the Ducks is, is they've done well in the regular season. They've won the Pacific Division four years in a row. They've been first or second in the conference, and then they they blow it in the playoffs, which is what the Sharks did. The Sharks had won four <laughs> years in a row, and then they blew it in the playoffs. So to me, this, the players are I feel are bad fine. that we keep tripping the Sharks, and there's no one here to defend the Sharks. Yeah, guys. well, maybe you know we'll have another one with a Sharks representative, and we could tag team. You know how you can tell if the Sharks won the division? Why? They'll raise a banner. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and so I, I thought but, you were going to bring back a whale shark. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Pull back from an earlier conversation. Now I'm okay. going to have to look up if a whale shark is a whale or a shark. I know. I think a whale shark is a shark, not a whale. I think you're right. But, or is it a, a whale, not a shark? Right. Okay. We, we're, we will. We'll go uh, Can somebody call Nat Geo, please? Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for you guys, so Mike, yes. um, what, to, what is the one biggest thing that uh, Ducks fans should watch for this season? 
Well, I mean, hopefully Linhol, we get him on the yeah. team. That's the biggest thing. Biggest story I, right now. Yeah, biggest story. I think the other thing that's going to be kind of an issue, it's going to be interesting in net because Gibson didn't play well in his first game. Mm-hmm. Played a little bit better in the next one. And, you know, another uh, person that came up a lot and uh, we can talk about because Bernier was on the Kings. Mm-hmm. A lot of people looked at Bernier and were like, why do we get this guy? You know, why do we sign Bernier? You know, look how he did in Toronto. And I'm like, well, have you looked at the Toronto blue line? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you should look at that blue line before you're you know, harsh on Bernier. And look at what Bernier did in L.A. He played well in L.A. Mm-hmm. in front of a great defense. I mean, obviously, they win two Stanley Cups. Hello. So, I mean, the Ducks, you get Lindholm back, they're going to have, a, you know, a, I, and I mean, I think they'll get him back. But. They'll have a good solid defense, and I think Bernier is going to be at, uh, you know playing in several games. I don't think he's going to play ten or fifteen. I think he's going to play close to twenty five or thirty wow. games. Wow! Um, the way that he played so far, I Jesse's think shaking his head. Why are you yeah. shaking your head, Jesse? I think, I, I think he's right, and yeah. and I don't yeah. understand. The Ducks are one of those teams yeah. that constantly, to from my view anyway, yeah, they never answer their goaltending question. Mm-hmm. And That's true. and I subscribe wholeheartedly to the philosophy uh, that goalies are like quarterbacks. If you have two, you have none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I agree with you on that. I totally agree with you. On like that. you got rid of Anderson yeah. to, to yeah. for Gibby time, right? Is it Gibby time or isn't it? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, and, I, and I, I agree with you totally on that. And that's what I think is that's why I brought it up. As I think that's part of the issue now is people are going, well, wait a sec, you know, because Bernier looked better in his one game he played mm-hmm. than Gibson did in the, in the couple that he was. But in, when so. Bernier's on, he's on. I mean, even if you you are right. a Toronto fan and you saw the worst of of some right. of Bernier, like you know that when he was on on some of those runs, he was. On. Exactly, and I think that's the thing we might see is if he gets on and he starts playing more games, then we're going to be back to that situation where we had Anderson and Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you going to play with? Which was a nightmare for me every time you're trying to do a game preview and you're like, well, who's going to start? I'm like, well, I'm going to have to wait till you know the hour yeah. before the game or after. You it's know, always better to ice. choose between two good starters and not to have a start at all. Which brings me to you, Jesse. Mm. Um, <laughs> what? is the biggest story to watch for for Kings fans right now? Well, I mean, obviously the question of of what are they going to do in net is a huge question. But far more interesting to me is um, what they're going to do with Toffoli. Because for years, for two years, they've had him on a line with Carter. Right. And Sutter likes to pair players up, right? It's Kopitar and Williams, then it was Kopitar and Gabrick, and it was Carter and Toffoli and, you know, uh, Stoll and Lewis. They, they would have these... Pairs. They wouldn't go with full lines. They would go with pairs and, and swap them around. And Toffoli reached a point uh, last season, I thought, where he simply was a top-line winger. And it was crazy to me that they were keeping him with Carter. To I'm not sure why. Um, we all love that 70s line. It's a fun name. It's a cute gimmick. <laughs> uh, but at some point, to me, Toffoli was your top-line winger, and Kopitar is your number one center, so play them together for God's sake. Right. So they've done that this year because Gabrick's out, and they're trying to generate offense. So the question for me is now, who fills that third role on that top line? How long will they keep Toffoli on the top line? I like Dwight King. I'm not opposed to <clears throat> putting two skill players with a grinder to see if you can create some sort of unexpected chemistry, but... They're they're hurting for offense, and they've got to try something. So for me, the, the question is, have they finally found someone to play with Kopitar permanently into Foley? And if so, will they try and find somebody else to play with those two? And that's a, that's a problem, you know, same with the Ducks, too, is uh, it's been, for us, Getzoff and Perry. Who's that left wing? So that's another issue you got to watch for the Ducks. They have Nick Ritchie up there who... Hasn't really been doing a whole lot. And he didn't do a whole lot last year. He only had two goals in 30-something games. So the question for the Ducks, they've split up uh, Perry and Getzloff in these games, and they've had them together. So if Raquel comes back, do you put all three of them together, or do you split them around? Because now with the addition of Berment, 
Raquel could probably come back and play wing because his faceoff stats aren't that great. So that's another situation similar to the Kings. Is I, I don't know how the Ducks are going to pair their top line and figure it out to generate more offense as well. Obviously, um, we're getting to the end of our podcast here, and uh, we have spent a lot of time tearing apart our teams, but we also <laughs> love our teams. And so I uh, I would love to just end uh, end our Ducks and Kings talk with uh, something positive to look, to look forward to for this season too. Yeah, I mean, for the Ducks, I still – I know some people doubt this. They don't think they're a playoff team. I still think the Ducks will be a playoff team. Will they be first in the division? No, I don't really think so. But I think that they'll make it. They'll probably be third or in that fourth, maybe the wild card spot. I don't think they're going to dominate this year by any means. But I definitely think they'll make the playoffs. And I think that they have a chance when they get in the playoffs. Now, Randy Carlo has a better seven-game record than Bruce, I mean, but who yeah. doesn't? You know, who doesn't? So, but I mean, he's done better. I think. If I the like team, that, that you just you know, spun Carlisle as the positive. Yeah, for the Ducks. on the like, end hey, here. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, that's I the like thing. I, I mean, like I said, the Ducks are going to do fine in the regular season. It's the playoffs. So. We just chirped Carlisle so. for like a good forty minutes, and you just I, brought him up right yeah, at the end. Just a little notch. Spin. I give him a little notch. <laughs> I love but, it. But I think that's the thing to look for. I think the Ducks will they'll get this the lines figured out. You know, get everything in sync. Get Raquel back. And I, I do think they will make the playoffs. Will they go far? That's yet to be determined. But I do think we can still see the Ducks turn it around. It's been a rough week or so. Mike has those going. playoff hopes. I yes. like it. Keep I think it positive. We'll still do it. How far? We'll see. Jesse, what do you think? Do you have a little positive something to look forward to this season? Well, it's going to take me a second, so bear with me. <laughs> um, one of the themes that I like to uh, work into all the Kings men is that happiness is measured by expectations. And so you have to be realistic with what you want out of your team. <laughs> and uh, the last few seasons... Did you grow up a Leafs fan? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Just, that sounds I, so Toronto. Let's have low expectations look, and we will never the be disappointed. The mid-90s for the Kings were just as, just as bleak uh, <laughs> as the mid-aughts for the, for the Leafs. Um, but so, you know, they win the Cup in 12. They make it to the Conference Finals in 13. They win it in 14. And so expectations are sky high, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about dynasty. We're talking about legacy. We're talking about Hall of Fame. Um, they missed the playoffs. Okay. That was a rough year. You know, we'll get back on it. They make the playoffs. They get blown out by the Sharks. So this season for me is exciting may not be the right word, but uh, interesting because now expectations have, have fallen. And with the injuries to Gabrick and Quick, they've plummeted. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you have an opportunity to see... Well, is Forbert going to be able to make this yeah. team? What can Nick Dowd do? Who else is going to rise to the occasion? Yeah. And Are, let's not forget that the up. first year that the that the Kings won the cup, they were an eighth seeded team. I mean, yeah, they yeah. were they were not the mm -hmm. the pick to win that Stanley Cup that year. Yeah. So um, yeah, always a uh, always a chance. That's the magic of of hockey. Um, all right, let's get to five good questions. Uh, boys, these are rapid-fire questions. They are not necessarily <laughs> hockey-related, uh, but I just uh, am curious to hear what your thoughts are. So, uh, number one, if you were uh, an, an if you were an MLB player, what would be your walkout song? Jesse, Rhapsody in Blue. Love it. Uh, I'd go with We Will Rock You. Okay, uh, I was hoping one of you would pick a Taylor Swift song there. But, uh, I do like Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of guys do. Athletes love Taylor Swift. Um, I actually, short story. Actually, uh, when I was producing for E News, uh, one of the first stories I ever did was about athletes loving Taylor Swift, and we had like Jimmy Butler and Kershaw and like a ton of a Golden Tate. Like, I mean, we had like really hardcore athletes who just love Taylor Swift and can sing them word for word. Uh, okay, number two, Snapchat or Instagram Stories. I'm too old. Uh... 
le- handwritten letters. <laughs> uh, Instagram. Okay, Instagram yes. stories. Number three, uh, who would make a better president, Michelle Obama or Ken Bone? Oh, Michelle Obama. Yeah, Obama. Okay. Obama. Uh, number four, uh, Golden State with Kevin Durant, better or worse than last season? Worse. Yeah, I'd say probably worse. Wow. Yeah. No no love for KD. I mean, I know this is f- f- rapid response, but can we get into that one real quick? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, it. All right. Uh, happiness is measured by expectations is one of the themes involved. <laughs> the other one is don't be, uh, for anyone who knows Aesop's fables, don't be the dog on the bridge with the bone who sees his reflection and barks at that dog to try and get the second bone and loses his bone. You have lost me in your metaphor. The warriors I, were great. They were like historically great. Yeah. And the well, notion that somehow it. you can add yeah. another great player yeah. and then become even greater is absurd. Like, But is there not something to be said about the fact that even greatness at some point uh, will hit a, a ceiling of, of uh, uh, where things are just normal and they need something in that locker room to shake it up and no. go even further? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm So, all right, I'm going to lose you on another metaphor. Here. <laughs> I, I believe that teams are like a recipe. And if you find the right recipe for what you're trying to make and it fits perfectly, mm-hmm. you don't mess with it. Exactly. Right. If, you, if you miss an ingredient, then you try and find a replacement for it as best you can. If you're making blueberry pancakes, <clears throat> you run out of blueberries, okay, fine, toss it in some chocolate chips. But if you run out of salt, you don't replace it with sugar. Right. Like you, yeah. you have to stick to your recipe. Trying to fit in an awesome player onto a team that won, what did they win, 72 games or 73 <laughs> games? Yeah. I, how much better can you get? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 insanity. It's crazy. There's no there's no way they're better. I like that your reoccurring undertone for this entire podcast has been just don't mess with the cheesecake. If, <laughs> if it is, appreciate it for what it is, and that's it. Um, okay, last question for rapid fire: uh, Why do baseball managers wear uniforms? We just don't get it. That's a great. Question. That is it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They should wear suits like the NHL coaches. I would think. You know, I don't no, know why they do. I, I, don't I know. like it. I, well, I like it, yeah. but I don't know why. I don't. No, but it's just like they're dressing know. up. It, why yeah, are they just... presentation. Yeah, you're or, not a player. Tradi- you're not a player. <clears throat> yeah, maybe tradition. Though. Like, should hockey? Uh, should the hockey coaches come out and wear jerseys? I mean, they do in the, uh, or maybe not jerseys, but they wear those Letterman jackets for the uh, Winter Classic. Still, the Winter yeah. Classic. Yeah, yeah they do do that. That's like that's still different. That's uh, they're separating themselves from the players. Yeah, I mean, every sport has its, you know, has its uh, idiosyncrasies. Um, I mean, maybe it could be like football. Maybe they could have on a polo or shirt instead. But, I mean, that's what those head coaches do. I'd really like to see Bill Belichick, like, with pads and a helmet. (laughs) (laughs) And then the hoodie on over the pads. I just want to see Bill Belichick in those pants because that would be amazing. That would be great. Uh, All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the 10 West podcast. And thank you again to uh, Jesse Cohen from being here for from All the Kings Men podcast and Mike from Ducks and Pucks. Uh, Gentlemen, let's end it with just uh, you letting us know a little bit about what you're up to on, uh, on Ducks and Pucks and All the Kings Men. Sure. All the Kings Men is the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. You can find new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or go to lakings.com slash podcast. Um, we have new episodes Tuesdays and Fridays, plus whenever breaking news happens, we have our 50 Kings series coming out and uh, across social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, et cetera. Kings Men podcast, one word, Kings Men podcast. They all start with cake, 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 cake. <laughs> And uh, for Ducks and Pucks, you just basically you can go to Ducks and Pucks. It's Ducks, the letter N, and then Pucks.com. We're also part of the Puck Network, which covers the entire NHL. 
And you can find us on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all the same stuff. If you just hit ducksandpucks.com, it'll pop up on the page of all the links there. And we have our weekly podcast show that comes out almost every Sunday. Sometimes we do maybe a Monday or Saturday, but we're always on there each week. And that's where you can find us. We can talk about the ducks. And how you heart emoji Carlisle. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, gentlemen. That's it for this week's episode of the 10 West Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you have an Android phone, what's wrong with you? But also, you can still listen to us on Stitcher. Is that right? Stitcher. I got it right. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Have a great week, SoCal. We will see you soon.